Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. I am so excited today to talk with Stephanie Carton. She is a mom of a three-year-old baby girl who I can see in the back of this video, if you happen to be watching, is the sweetest little baby picture, Molly Hope. After experiencing a complicated infertility and pregnancy journey herself, she has been focused on sharing her story to help others. Stephanie is also an entrepreneur at heart. She walked away from her corporate career in 2012 to follow her passion to launch Social Fly, a leading social first digital and influencer marketing agency based in New York and has been named Inc.'s 5,000 fastest growing private companies two years in a row. Amazing. Stephanie is the co-host of Entrepreneurista Podcast and a co-founder of Entrepreneurista Media, a platform and membership community for women founders and leaders. She's also the co-author of Like, Love, Follow, the Entrepreneurista's Guide to Using Social Media to Grow Your Business, as well as the co-founder of Markind, a marketplace for parents to buy and sell baby and kids new and gently used items that is a mouthful welcome stephanie thanks for being here thanks for having me elizabeth oh gosh all of that i don't even know where to begin so (laughs) let's start first of all with molly hope tell us about your journey you mentioned in your bio that it was not as easy probably as you had hoped um so tell us a little bit about that yes thank you so molly is our three-year-old baby girl who we had on may 30th of 2019 and as you shared it was a very long and complicated journey to get there and have learned so much along the way just about the process of going through infertility and then going through a complicated journey and the importance of community and reaching out to others and asking and and getting help through that process um, was so important for us. So um, if it's helpful for your listeners, I can definitely, you know, take you back to, you know, when we started our fertility journey and, and what we went through. Yeah, that would be amazing. Did you have a diagnosis specifically or was it just unexplained infertility? So um, we had tried to get pregnant for close to a year uh, before we went the route of working with um, an RE. So we initially had met with a doctor um, about, I think it was about a year after we got married. My husband and I got married in 2015. And I, I actually have multiple sclerosis as well on, on top of all, okay. all the other issues and everything that, that we've been through. So, you know, my thought was, let me, let us do genetic testing before we even try to start getting pregnant, just to okay. be sure there's no other issues that are happening. So we did the genetic testing and found out that I was actually a pre-mutation carrier of something called okay. fragile X, where hmm. fragile X is only passed down from the mom. Um, and my husband and I, we both were carriers of other things, but nothing that we matched for. So the main concern was the fragile X and could that be passed down and what was that percentage? So after doing some additional testing, the percentages were so low that we felt, you know, comfortable just trying to get pregnant naturally and then doing early genetic testing if needed once we were pregnant Mm -hmm. at that time you know, going to just a, you know, regular OBGYN and, you know, just sharing, I was trying to get pregnant. There was no, you know, 
information that I was given about, you know, the best ways to get pregnant and what to look for and when you should right. be tracking your cycle. Isn't it crazy how it there isn't? It's like, it's just mind boggling to yeah. me just how like backwards and like broken the traditional medical system is for women that are trying to get pregnant. It's like, oh, go try to get pregnant for six months or for a year and come back yeah. if it doesn't work instead of saying, here's the things, here's what you should follow to try totally. to do if you're, if you're looking to get pregnant. So Under- I say I wait, we wasted a year um, <laughs> because we had no like initial testing done to see, you know, what was going on in, in my body for my husband, you know, testing his sperm, like none of that was checked and done. So, um, wasted a year, went back to the, the first RE who we had met with and, um, he did an ultrasound and saw what he thought was a, um, polyp. So I was sent for an HSG test Yes, and that showed that yes, um, I did have polyps and, but he still insisted that we just try an IUI to start, even though I had a polyp without removing it. Okay. So this started down the path of just, you know, trying a lot of things that, that didn't work. And me at the time being so, I would say naive to the process and, and just trusting in these doctors without verifying, you know, I would, that's what we do. Right. I mean, that's, we have been programmed to, to do that. So I think that's where these conversations are so helpful for people to realize we don't, we're changing the narrative of that. Right. Yeah. And, and it's so important. It's why I, I continue to share our story and what we went through because I want people to have all the access and information and the resources and and the things that I was missing. You know, I say I learned the really hard way and thank goodness, you know, we have our daughter and obviously I haven't even gotten to everything that happened, but you know, if, if I could help save people time, money, you know, anguish of not having to go through everything that we went through, I'll, I'll, I'll continue to share every, every single day. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll try to, make a very long, complicated, um, infertility journey short, but we ended up switching, um, doctors, which many, many people do based on their experience. Once I realized that, you know, these doctors work for us, like we're paying them. We deserve to be able to speak up and ask questions and not feel like, you know, we can't, have say in our medical care. And when we were first going through the process with this initial doctor, you know, I, I put these doctors up on this pedestal as if they were the end all be all like, they, like if I wasn't nice to them, or I asked them a question they didn't like, they wouldn't be able to help me have my family. Right. And it's the interesting part is I'm not like that as, as a person. Normally I run multiple businesses. I'm very type yeah. A I'm organized. Right. I find all the answers. But I was like paralyzed with fear in the beginning because all I wanted was to have this family and to have a have a child. And it was paralyzing even for me. And we go into this situation at an RE, a reproductive endocrinologist, really feeling like they they are this I, I for lack of a better term, this God figure, yes. right? Of the who's going to, to your point help us create this family that we want so desperately. And so we do hang on every single word that they say. It is a whole new language that we're learning about, right? I mean, at least it was for me. And 
So you're you're really at their mercy at, in a way. And so it's very easy to go down that road with a clinic and or a doctor to to kind of fall in line of not knowing what to ask and whatnot. And that's where I think coaches and other people who have gone through it like yourself to share their story really empower other women to say, oh, okay, maybe I should be asking about this or maybe this doesn't really feel right and I should follow my intuition to go to another clinic or just even get a second opinion to validate perhaps what you're feeling. Absolutely. And at that time, I only had one friend at that time when we first started going through this journey who had, who I had known that had gone through IVF and she had a successful outcome. And that's why I went to that specific doctor. I didn't, that right. first doctor, I didn't do any research, anything. She had success. I yeah. went to that doctor be, again. We all do I that. <laughs> uh, so yeah. then when I was ready, I was like, okay, we need to switch and go somewhere else where we feel like we can talk to the doctor and feel comfortable. You know, a lot of people started recommending a specific doctor in New York city. His name kept coming up. So we made an appointment and were able to see him, um, right away. And, you know, obviously ended up having a positive outcome in the end, but it's still, it took a while because again, I had to advocate for myself every step of the way. Like, even though this doctor was wonderful, he's an amazing doctor. He gets incredible results. I had a comp very complicated case with different autoimmune issues and different, you know, I had to advocate to then go to a, um, you know, a different doctor, an immune doctor to get on a specific protocol that they didn't do at that particular practice. We found out my entire uterine lining was covered in polyps and one polyp, it was my oh, whole gosh. uterine lining. And then I had chronic endometritis, which wasn't taken care of properly. So it was just always one thing, one thing after another, and just really learning to start reaching out to others and ask questions. And I started like publicly sharing our journey and story on social media as we were going through this process. And it's because of the women that I connected with through social media that I was actually able to get pregnant and stay pregnant during our journey. Amazing. That's, I feel like there's so much hope in this story in lots of different ways. And just in that, I think that community aspect that wasn't really around when I was going through it and I wasn't that much for only two years ahead of you on that 2017 to 2019, but it is so different now. Yes. And as much as it's amazing, there's other aspects of it when you're on that path that aren't so amazing, right? As far as seeing all the stuff that you don't really want to see it's all we get to a point where we know more than we should in some mm -hmm. cases and that kind of sinks in in a subconscious way that i often talk to people about there are times when we do need to go on a social media diet and totally. it isn't healthy to hear what susie q's doing or whatever happened to jessica because we are we are on our own path but i do think that those reminders especially in your case with autoimmune ms you know the genetic situations and everything to really know that those diagnoses or those things that you may have doesn't mean you can't have a healthy baby. And there are so many ways now to get to that point through whether it's IVF or whatever it may be, the testing that they can do on embryos yeah. that have extremely rare genetic diseases are amazing. So you may not come up on the standard genetic testing that they do at a fertility clinic, but you can go deeper than that and know that there are very few clinics in the United States, but they are there that can yeah. really dig in to say, you know, we can make this happen for you. And I, I personally know a handful of my clients that have 
little babies that, you know, really traditionally had they gone been, had this been naturally, they would never get pregnant and they would have multiple losses because both the husband and wife were carriers of rare genetic diseases and whatnot. So it truly is a miracle that we were able to do this now. What would be the top advice that you would give to somebody that's starting this journey and kind of seeing a few obstacles ahead of them? I wish that I had a coach that I was working with through this process. I had to figure everything out myself, which I'm good at doing because I, you know, run multiple businesses and I'm able to use my problem solving abilities to just get through everything and figure it out. But it would have been a lot easier and better for me had I had a coach and support, but I didn't know that existed when I was going through everything. So I think reaching out and having that support would have been absolutely incredible. I had to like build and foster that whole community myself and really ended up having, I would say about thousands, thousands of cheerleaders on Instagram who are helping me through everything and figure things out as I posted it and crowdsourced questions and through Facebook groups. Yeah. Which is so beautiful. But again, to to that point, there it's almost two different paths. Like one is just learning about it and figuring out the ins and outs, which yes, we can Google, but to also depending on what your situation is, it's different. And that's why it doesn't really matter what Susie Q or Jessica is going through, because if you have thyroid disorder or you have even your vitamin D is too high or too low, that's going to affect your fertility. But at the same time, the emotional journey, Mm -hmm. people don't expect how that emotional aspect is. And most people, at least that I work with, are very type A. So that gets in their head too, right? I'm doing all the things. I'm taking the supplements. I'm, you know, doing prenatal yoga. I'm, you know, doing everything that I possibly can. (laughs) Yeah, acupuncture and still not working. And so that starts to get in your head and then you're stressed about being stressed. And I know I'm not supposed to be stressed. And that's really, again, where a coach or a therapist that specializes in fertility can really be a huge, huge support for somebody that's going through it. And and really, studies have shown that it decreases the time frame of your chances of getting pregnant, which to me is huge. Having had my children over 41, like time was not something that we had on our side. So knowing that that can help, I think, is huge when you're going through it. I would also say being sure that you're very comfortable with your doctor and you feel like you can have real open and honest conversations and that you're not scared to talk to them because you, if you feel like you can't have real conversations with your doctor, it's going to be very hard to, you know, get through the process and, and get the care that, that you really need. And again, as I mentioned before, and you agree, Elizabeth, like these doctors work for you, like you're paying them. You have to be able to you know, have these conversations to, you know, help, help get to, to the end result. So right. having I that- always say we're part of a fertility team, yeah. your acupuncturist, your doctor, yeah. your coach, whatever. And that team doesn't condescend you when you ask a question, yeah. that team supports you, lifts you up, is there to, to get you to the finish line in the best way possible. And if you do feel like your doctor is that way, Um, I know I had one doctor after one of my DNCs and I knew something was wrong because it just wasn't right from the first time. I I just had a gut feeling and they'd be, nope, it's fine. You're fine. Finally went to a second opinion and sure enough, there was tissue left over from, from that last one, you know? So I always say, (laughs) follow your gut. You know, it may seem like we do put them on a pedestal and, 
at times rightfully so i mean they're very well educated in what they're doing and they but at the same time they are part of your team your team you are yes. paying them they are here working for you together so thank you for reiterating that because i do think that it's so important so how was your trend well first of all let's back up and you said you had a difficult pregnancy what was tell us about that so um we put in one embryo during our transfer and the embryo ended up splitting so we were initially pregnant with identical twin girls and then at 16 and a half weeks pregnant we found out we had something called twin to twin transfusion if you're familiar with ttts so essentially one of the babies was getting all of the blood supply and the other baby wasn't. So we had to do emergency surgery at 17 and a half weeks. Oh my gosh. Um, so scary. Laser and surgery. It was uh, like the, it was very awful, extremely. Oh traumatic. my God. Yeah. And again, I'm, you know, sharing what's going on in Instagram and through, you know, Facebook groups and getting in touch with the twin and twin transfusion Facebook group and getting connected with other women who had been through this. And they're getting on the phone with me and walking me through the process of what they went through and how they made decisions because we were having to make these like split decisions, literal life or death decisions on, on right. what to do. And it's like, after everything we had been through, it was like, how, how can this be happening? Yes. You know, it's right. It was just, it was very awful. Um, so we end up doing this emergency surgery at 17 and a half weeks. And unfortunately mm -hmm. the day after we lost one of our baby girls, Emmy, as a result of the surgery, she didn't survive the surgery, but Molly was still doing well and had a heartbeat. And then a day later after the, the second day after the surgery, we, I ruptured from the surgery. Oh, so gosh. we lost all of our amniotic fluid or I lost all my amniotic fluid at oh my God. 17 and a half weeks. So at that point it was advised that we end the pregnancy that if I didn't go into labor naturally, um, because I was ruptured that we should consider terminating the pregnancy because she would never survive without amniotic fluid through the remainder of the pregnancy and that babies need amniotic fluid in order to survive and for their lungs to, to develop. Oh my God, Stephanie, it's so scary. Well, turns out babies can survive without amniotic fluid. So Yay, little miracle girl. I always tell families, you know, obviously our story is extremely, you know, unique and everyone's story is different. And when there's ruptures, there are ruptures for different reasons. You know, when my rupture was a sterile rupture because it was as a result of a procedure, it's not that, you know, I had an infection and that's why I ruptured or some other reason it was from, from the procedure. So of course I posted in the twin to twin transfusion Facebook group that I was in and let these women know that I had ruptured as a result of the surgery connected with other women that this had happened to was then referred to another Facebook group, the P prom Facebook group, which is the preterm rupture of the membranes Facebook group and found all of these stories of hope of these women who had ruptured and they were able to stay pregnant and their baby survived. Amazing. So I went to the, the back to the doctor and I'm like, all, all of these women are telling me that babies survive, like babies can survive with that amniotic fluid. And my OB hadn't really seen that because if, if a woman ruptures and OBs tell women to end their pregnancy or suggest to end their pregnancy, then all the data is, you're not going to have the data right. to show what can happen. Right. But when you pull a larger group of people together across the country or around the world that this happens to, and you're able to pull all these different stories together when there haven't been studies, you can actually get more information that way than a doctor is able to see individually from just the few cases that they're seeing. A hundred percent. Yes. So I started educating the doctors. Your doctor. Columbia. Yes. Yes. And 
long story short, put together our whole treatment plan and refused to terminate our pregnancy and said, we're going to give this a shot and I will put myself on bed rest and do what these other women did and follow, found a foundation or foundation called the PPROM foundation, followed their protocol and spent 17 weeks on bed rest, 11 weeks inpatient in the hospital. So I was close wow. to you and Molly was born at 34 weeks, had essentially no amniotic fluid for 17 and a half weeks and was oh my gosh. breathing and only spent two weeks in the NICU and is perfectly healthy, happy, smart three-year-old. So amazing. Wow. That is the short short story. (laughs) Gosh. And how did you like, how did you find strength to kind of survive through that? I mean, that is that I can't even imagine the stress of that. It was so hard. And I just stayed so focused on being able to stay as calm as possible for Molly And, you know, I came up with different mantras and things I would repeat to myself. I would say every day pregnant is a good day. I would do anything and everything that people recommended that you do to stay pregnant in that situation, positive affirmations, Uh visualizations, having a, you know, strong support system around and just having hope and believing that there was hope and it was not easy. Like I'm saying this with a smile right now, it was not easy. And I, I just knew, I just believed in my heart that there was a chance that she could survive. I had spoken to so many other women, read so many stories of babies who would survive without amniotic fluid. And I just had to believe there was a chance and that I was willing to do anything and everything to, to give her that chance. Wow. That's incredible. I, I, it's crazy to me how people, me included before I had children and had my own experience. We, we kind of feel, take it for granted of, for one, getting pregnant, and then for two, having a healthy pregnancy and having a healthy baby and s- surviving the birth and them surviving, us surviving. Like, yeah. it's such a big deal. And granted, I know people have home births all the time and everything's all well and good and all of that sort of stuff. I also didn't have an easy pregnancy or none. I had three pregnancies. None were easy. Mm. Um, and it's like blows my mind because I have such a different perspective of it now. And of course, what I do every day is also leans into that too. But it's such an amazing miracle. And there really are no words. I literally am speechless about it. I am so you know, thankful for you sharing that story and happy for you guys that you have your happy ending and that you shared that because somebody is going to hear this that has some random crazy thing happening like that, that we've all heard. Of course you can't, you know, survive without amniotic fluid. How is that possible? But now we know it is possible. And Molly Hope is here to, to be that little example of that. So thank you for that. But yeah, it blows my mind how we kind of think that, oh, you get pregnant and you have a baby you know, 10 months later and there you are. Like every baby and every pregnancy is a miracle. It's like every single thing has to go right. It has to be perfect in order for, to have this result. And yeah, I, I, I get emotional just even, you know, thinking about it. So yeah, it is incredible. So how did you transition from being your amazing entrepreneur self to then being a mama to a newborn. And how did you integrate her into your working life? And how did that all go for you? Oh my goodness. I mean, I feel like it was like after everything we had been through, it was almost like easy for me, right? It's like, okay, I went through that. I can get through anything. Now. Totally. They we'll figure it out. I think, I think that's the perspective I have basically on everything in life right now. Like, unless mm-hmm. something is like 
so dire that it's a life or death situation. I truly believe like everything is figure outable. Like there's always some solution. There's resources out there. You just have to be able to, to ask and put together the right team to help. So that's what I did after, after we had Molly. So my husband actually, um, was able to stay home with Molly after we had her. So I had been out of, I had been out of my office for, 17 weeks on bed rest and not being able to like be in the business with my business partner. So I ended up going back to my office. I had Molly the end of May. It was like the middle of July because I had been out for so long and my husband was unable to stay home with Molly. And it was, it was hard for me. I mean, I remember just not feeling like emotionally like myself and like my brain working well enough for at least six six months Yeah. Um, and pumping and learning all of the, you know, all (laughs) of those new things. But I, you know, had my husband and friends and my mother-in-law and people to help support and that were really there for us. And they say it takes a village to to raise a family and a business. And, (laughs) and it's so true, you know, not, not putting all the pressure on myself. Like I have to do everything myself. I, learn to be very great at letting go and asking for help and then delegating. And- yeah, which I imagine knowing from my perspective, again, having my own business for 20 plus years as well, like that you're forced to in that situation, right? And I, I can't even imagine. I had my C-section was in the hospital for four days and then back to work four days later. My last one wasn't that way because he also was in the NICU. But in that situation, I was forced to put it on hold. My baby was, I don't know if he was going to survive. So like everything literally is like nothing else matters. Right. And it is an interesting perspective as somebody who is so focused on business and showing up for that, that, you know, on a drop of a dime, it changes. Mm -hmm. And once we, for I will speak for myself. Once I knew what we were out of the woods in that regard, it was like, something in me though knew i had to get back to it Mm -hmm. because that was me i knew i wasn't a stay-at-home mom and god bless the stay-at-home moms because that is hard hard work i harder than me going to work um so how did you feel about that part of it were you feeling like i do want to be a stay-at-home mom or were you like i'm so happy to get back to the office once it was july and you felt like you could even though you were still in that little bit of because I think we all are, yeah. no matter what, because we're not sleeping, we're trying to do all the things we like emotionally want to be there for your kids as well. But yeah. you you have this inner conflict as well of like, I really want to be there for them. But at the same time, I, I love who I am over here and I've built this and whatever. And I really believe that we can do it all. Yeah. Um, we just have to have that team or village to help support us in that. And knowing right. that you can ask for the help and there's no shame in doing that because I guarantee you any CEO that's out there that's a woman that has a family is not doing it on her own. Oh, no, absolutely. No, yes, no one builds a business on their own. It takes a, a village and a community and a group of people to, to build together because you can only go so far alone. You definitely, definitely need a team and people there to support. It was very hard for me going back physically to my office only two months after having Molly, especially after everything that we went through. Yeah. Um, like emotionally, I didn't feel ready and physically too. I mean, it was, I was pumping and trying to bring milk back and forth, you know, yeah. in a cab to my office across town and commuting. I was in New York at the time. I think now that we ended up moving down to Florida, um, 
during the, pan- the beginning of the pandemic. So in June of 2020, we moved down to Florida and I've been able to work from home and Molly's here. So like my husband and we have a sitter who helps with Molly during the day, she's going to now go to preschool next year, but she's been mm-hmm. home with us. So yeah. I've really had the best of both worlds being able to really focus on our businesses and then also be home here with Molly. But it was very hard when we were still in New York and I was commuting and going to my office. That was like very, very, very hard emotionally for me. I would, I would cry every morning leaving to go to my office as much as I wanted to be in my office and working. Yeah. It was so hard to leave her. Right. And thank goodness there are so many corporations too that do have flex work now even before the pandemic happened there's so many that that offer that for moms which i think is amazing and now more so after the pandemic that people are realizing and or demanding really that this is what i need to do in order to be performing well as a an employee and or business owner whatever it may be and i think asking for that and having that conversation initiating what it is that you need in order to be the best you can be there that's totally okay and also if it's not a good fit for you to realize how do i make the changes that i need to make in order for this to be okay because they are only little ones and it does go by so fast and it is important to stay true to yourself as well so i think that that's super important Absolutely. And we saw, you know, so many women over the past two years leaving corporate, leaving the main workforce to start businesses. And, you know, Courtney and I, our first business that we started was Social Flyer Social Media Agency, but we then launched our podcast, Entreprenista, to help women founders and leaders have, you know, tools and resources and hear these stories. And when everything happened with the pandemic, so many women were reaching out to us needing more resources and advice and help. And that's when Courtney and I realized like we need to formally, you know, build and create this community for, for women who want to launch scale and grow their business. So last year we launched our entrepreneurs league community to give all of these women, these tools and resources for their business, because it's so, so important and, and needed. Which by the way, can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Because it is such a great community. There's so much going on all the time. I I wish I had more time just to really dive into that, but can you share with the listeners what that's all about? Yes, of course. So the Entreprenista League is our membership community that's dedicated to helping women founders and leaders have all of the tools, connections, and resources to launch and grow a business. So our members of our community get access to our community platform. So everyone's in there networking, doing business together, going on each other's podcasts, sharing all the things um, and, and resources. And we do virtual learning events every single week to help women you know, learn how to you know, set up their LLCs or their corporations for their business, all of the tips and tricks for creating social media strategies and PR strategies. And then we also feature all of our members on our Entreprenista website and on our social channels to really help amplify them and their business and, and get their business out there. So essentially Courtney and I had been in all of these different networking organizations and groups over the past 10 years running our agency business. And we realized, you know, we can bring all of this together under one roof. So women don't have to join 10 different groups. They can have everything they need through the Entreprenista League. So we created it and now have almost a thousand members that are part of our community. And it's been wonderful and so helpful to all these women. Which is so amazing because I think the one thing that I run into a lot of times with the coaches that come into the academy are they have other businesses or they've been doing something else as a W-2 employee usually, like they're nurses or they're 
whatever it may be that they are. And there's this big fear of how do I start my own business? Where do I do from that perspective? And and that is so important to have other people that are going through it that understand the same situation that you're going through because you're not alone and it is doable. Like you said earlier, everything is figure outable, especially when you have a community that gets you like they understand what that's like. You know, what do I do? An S Corp or an LLC? Or do I, you know, all the random things that you might wonder? Or do I create a course? Do I have a membership? Do all the things everyone else is thinking the same things and the having that community to be able to parlay off of each other, I think is so awesome because Again, you're not only you're you getting help, but you're helping someone else also in the process, which I think is so beautiful. So I really, truly appreciate what you guys are doing and pulling that all together, too, because, again, in many, many years of having my own business there, there wasn't things like this before. You know, you kind of had to figure it out as you went along and make those mistakes. And now it's like a shortcut to (laughs) all you need to know. Courtney and I spent 10 years building social fly and made every mistake under the sun. And we call them all of our learning lessons. And we share all of these learning lessons with our community and Courtney and I host office hours every single month. So our members have direct access to us to come ask us any questions. And we love sharing our mistakes because we want to help shorten the, the process for, for other women. So they don't have to make the mistakes that we did and have these conversations. Uh, so yes. And there's enough business to go around for everyone. You know, I remember a member shared with me early on when we first launched, like, oh, another member joined who's in the same industry that I'm in. I'm like, that's okay. You guys can all learn from each other. Like there's so much business out there for everyone and we can all help each other. I know. Someone had said to me a while back, why would you start coaching other coaches to be coaches? And you're just taking the business away. I'm like, it was the most bizarre thing I had ever heard. I'm like, why wouldn't I want this domino effect to help other people helping other people. Like it was beyond me that somebody couldn't see that concept of it's not about me. It's about the greater good and this, you know, the women as a collective helping each other. And yeah, so I'm with you on that. And again, so grateful that you guys are doing what you're doing. So how else can everyone follow you, find you, be in your aura, all that fun stuff. Yes. Oh my gosh. So you can find me personally on Instagram at Steph Jill Carton, S-T-E-P-H-J-I-L-L-C-A-R-T-I-N. And Entrepreneurs, our Instagram, I'll spell it as at E-N-T-R-E-P-R-E-N-I-S-T-A-S on Instagram. And to join the Entrepreneurs League, it's entrepreneurs.com forward slash join to join our community. And feel free to reach reach out to me, DM me. I'm always on Instagram. So feel free to slide into my DMs and say hello. Always happy to help and be a resource. Awesome. So again, back to the beginning of our conversation, as well as if any of you have questions around the fertility, like MS, the genetic stuff. I, I mean, those. I know when you have those sorts of things and you're looking down your path of fertility, you feel like this you know, is a death sentence sometimes, and it's not going to happen for me. Reach out to Stephanie and ask her questions about that and, and, or the situation with the membrane. Oh my goodness. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of people reaching out and looking up those groups that you mentioned. So thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time and all that you're doing for both communities and sharing your story in all kinds of ways. So I, I'm just so glad that our paths have crossed. Me too. Thank you, Elizabeth. And so excited to continue to do more together. And again, 
anyone, feel free to reach out to me. Always happy to help and be a resource. Thanks, Stephanie. Speak soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creation Innovation Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.